Hello, Podwalkers. And if you're questioning if you're on the right show, yes, this is Hobbs Q. <laughs> I am actually on the recording today. So that's kind of a nice surprise, I guess, for people. Uh, so just making light of the fact that I've had to miss a lot lately, uh, which has put a lot of heavy load onto Alex and Taya, which I am very thankful to have co-hosts that can do that for me. So anyway, we are all three here today to return to kind of a, a heavy topic that we discussed. Well, it, it's informed a lot of our discussions. We have not discussed it kind of directly, intentionally since towards the very beginning of the show. But before we jump into some of that heaviness, we're going to introduce ourselves. As I said, I'm Hobbs Q. We can be found wherever, I guess, you want to look up Twitter, Blue Sky, those places still at Hobbs Q, still there, hanging on playing what is it the instruments on the deck of the titanic waiting for the ship to go down uh my pronouns are he him and our question today is what are you something that you are looking forward to in the next week the next month just something that you have that you're kind of looking forward to so for me i one of the things i've been doing while i've been gone is doing a lot of lego and i actually had my first experience of washing lego so Taya and Alex, have you ever done this? <laughs> no. I have never had to wash Lego before, I, no. So, Nor have I. Yeah. People had joked about it when I started saying I was getting into it. They're like, oh, yeah, wait until you start doing stuff like that and organizing and sorting. I'm like, whatever. Well, my uncle uh, went and did a bulk buy off of Facebook Marketplace. And the person basically was like, oh, hey, by the way, I have this giant treehouse that's half put together that I'm never going to finish and just gave it to him. And this treehouse is like, it is massive. It's like 3,000 piece treehouse set. Oh, uh, and the, the, the roofs of each of the treetops of each of the like little areas of it lift up and there's rooms inside. So it has like that modular component where it's kind of like you get to see like tiled rooms and like make up a room that you can play in. And then it's also 3,000 pieces. It comes with different colored leaves so you can swap them out for the year. So it has like oh, green leaves wow. and then it has like yellow brown leaves. And then you could actually, like we were talking about, you could put like the little pink flowers and do like blossoms for spring. So it's it's really cool. Except wherever it had been kept was dusty. And I mean it, like layer of dust and grime. So I, like I said, it was like a little over half put together already. Uh, I had to completely dismantle it, wash it, and then dry all those pieces. But I did that and uh -huh. sorted it today. I'm really looking forward to this set. Oh, I mean, it's really cool. It's really hard to like, like think. I mean, it's just funny to be like, well, it's free. I'm never going to complain about free. Like, oh, yeah. But then I yeah. find myself washing Legos. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and people online were giving me tips and tricks for it and everything, which is just amazing. Just not something I ever would have considered. So I'm really looking forward to building that set. I'm, I'm working on the DeLorean from Back to the Future right now which is also really fun. I have not done like a, a full on car and it's cool to see just like the different things like cars and ships and just how those builds go. But the coolest thing, the back of the future car, you can build it in all three configurations from each movie. Oh, very oh, cool. That's sweet. Like the final, yeah, the final bag has like pieces so that you can choose which basically which configuration you can go with but one of the things i just did it was really cool is the wheels pop out to make the flat wheels so you can either pop them down and use it as a car or pop them up and fly when he has like you know when the car the wheels go like sideways right yeah so when you got the hover that. configuration yeah, yeah. Super so like cool. I, that's what i did last night it's like it has rubber bands and like pistons and so like it like the cars move it's wild so 
I'm yeah. looking forward to doing some more Lego. I've really been enjoying it lately. That's that's cool. The 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 biggest set I've done I think was only around a thousand pieces, which was the pyramids. <laughs> yeah. and, and that one is the also is the closest to what you're talking about, the sort of the modular different loadouts. Yeah. This one just has two different like nameplates you can put in front of it because there's a little border around it that's kind of like the display. Yeah. And you can either put the great in English, the Great Pyramids of Giza, or it has it in hieroglyphics. Oh, you can put cool. that instead. And so I just put both by pulling out some of the just matte black pieces that are there. So mm. it just both. But that's. Yeah. I like it. You know, a lot of the sets have some kind of modular component to them. And it's really cool when you have those options to set it up how you want. Yeah. Suppose um, you'd introduce ourselves too. So I'm Alex, uh, found on Twitter for now. I, I still check in occasionally, though not very often, um, at Mel underscore Chronicler. Uh, my pronouns are, are he, him. I guess I'll, I'll answer um, the question for me. Something that I'm looking forward to that is coming up in a couple of weeks is a convention I'm going to for the first time. It is a convention in Washington, D.C. called AwesomeCon, that uh, a couple friends of mine who who live out uh, in the northeast area, uh, northeast of the U.S. because I'm in Minnesota, but they they've gone there a few times and really like the con. But it's usually in June, so it's up against sometimes literally the same weekend as the writing convention I go to locally here. But this year they push it up to March for some reason, which is really cool for me because I get to go. But also, it's way earlier in the season than I used to for for cons. So it's been fun the last few weeks, just budgeting and like make trying to eat cheaper and just save money so that I could go do this con without putting stuff on credit cards and letting it just sit there, which is a, a habit that I have in years past that I'm trying to break to just get the get the hotel on a card, pay and then pay it off after we get the charge on there so but that's i'm looking forward to it's from my understanding my a friend of my my friend who lives in new york city and goes to comic con there every year he calls it he he likens it to new york comic con but says it's much smaller so i'm i'm looking forward to it. and by much smaller i i think it's like 30 40 50 thousand or something like i don't know what the actual number is i know otakon which is an anime con i go to is about 30 to 35,000 people. Those are, mm-hmm. so, those are really which big, are big cons. Which yeah. are big cons, but they're no six digit Comic Cons. Like New York Comic Con, I want to say is over 100. Like San Diego, San Diego is. is several hundred, I mean, maybe. Oh, yeah. San Diego. So, and I mean, yeah. And, and so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And it, it'll, be, it'll be really fun to see. The same. It's in the same convention center even as Otakon, which is Otakon's an anime con I go to usually in August, August, July. It's kind of it bounces back and forth. That's been in D.C. for a number of years now. And I really like that convention center. And it's it's also really close to the mall. It's like a mile, a couple miles from the National Mall. So there's just museums and things everywhere so i'm i'm really looking forward to a getting to see those friends of mine who i don't see very often b going down to this convention i've never been to that they really like but also see this is the first time i'm traveling out to dc by myself for otakon i usually travel with a, a friend of mine here and we meet up and have a big group but i usually then fly out thursday right before the con on friday so i don't have as much time to just go do stuff but this year because i'm flying out by myself i'm actually flying out wednesday 
before the con. So I'm going to have some extra time to just, I don't know. I don't know what. <laughs> if I'm looking things up on Google Maps and looking at museums and trying to figure out what I want to kind of how to fill that day. But I'm, I'm looking forward to to figuring that out, <laughs> doing some other just cool stuff in D.C. I've been there three or four times and done basically none of it. And there's a lot of cool stuff to do there. I lived there almost a decade and I don't like living there, but there's a lot of cool stuff to do while visiting there. Yeah, I don't know if I'd like to live there either, but it is a cool place to visit, at least the, the times I've been there for some of the stuff that we've yeah. done. So, hi, I'm Taya. Uh, Taya transcends on blue sky, pronouns are she, her, or they, them. You know, I, I you know, just mentioning cons, I'll mention that I'm looking forward to, I'm going to uh, Emerald City Comic Con for one day. Uh, that's in two weekends. I'm looking forward to that going with a couple of friends, um, not doing the all weekend thing. That's just way too much for me. I'm not that big of a comics nerd. So it's, to me, it's more, I'm going to go hang with some friends and maybe see a fan panel or something. But the big one I want to highlight is I, I just booked travel for my little sister to come visit for a week. I haven't seen her since my mom's memorial service couple of years ago and she's going to come stay with us for a week and she hasn't had a vacation in years so it'll be nice for her to get away from her life for a bit and come visit so i'm looking forward to that and that's not for a few months but it'll be nice for her to um get out here for a while and uh come visit that's awesome yeah that's really cool yeah All right. yeah so, so we all we have some stuff to look forward to. I think it's, yeah, it's good yeah. to remember that, right? Like, I think it is really important. Yeah. And, we started and, on kind of a high note because the, our topic is a bit of a downer today. Yeah. And I do want to, well, that's sort of fresh to point out that I think we mentioned it last week, but like last week we opened up with some good things that had happened recently. Like this is part of a mindfulness thing that I know you've talked about Hobbes and I just, I want to yeah. just have that context there for folks. Do you, do you kind of want to explain how, how you do it Hobbes? Yeah, because I've actually been, this has been something that we've been, I've been doing a little bit more um, with even people online. I've been actually having this conversation uh, and kind of talking about this with people online is that it's an exercise that's called three good things. And it basically is looking at the habits of healthy people or happy people. Uh, it's from a project that was called the happiness project. And there's research on this. It's the idea that we spend so much time focusing on kind of the negative. And the idea behind this is not to focus on just act like everything's okay. It's just to give some weight to it and to recognize it and accept that there are things that are good that are going on. And so I think that that is something that is really important to highlight. And I think that that's one of the things that I really enjoy about kind of doing this is doing three good things, doing things that just looking to see if it's been better or just at least giving some weight to those things that we don't always and alex you mentioned kind of like the second half of it the second half of it is to do something that you are looking forward to it's to also kind of give yourself something that you can look forward to and, and for me some days that's as simple as a cup of coffee it's not always these things like a, a new lego set or like you said a con or something like that but it is something that it is that you're looking forward to the next day to just kind of give yourself that that ability to 
to yeah. to just look forward to something. So yeah, and I I know for for a while this is something I've done on and off. I used to do it, try to do it every day. I would do it usually at work. I'd grab breakfast and then do it kind of write that down in the morning while I was was doing breakfast. Write it down in my planner or in a notes thing on my my phone. But so it just, and I'm sorry, Tate, like you had a great transition going on, but I, I <laughs> wanted to, I ended up stomping all over it because I just think it's important to kind of highlight that this is a, a nice thing that people can take and, and use in their lives if this is something you feel like would be helpful for you. And to provide a little context as to why, like this is a nice bookend to last week's opening question where we kind of hit these two questions and because we have some kind of mental health topics like, um, and, and this, this week in particular, and just kind of nice to highlight that, um, that mindfulness technique. Sorry, but so as, as Tay was saying, like we wanted to kind of start with something where we're talking about these kind of positive things and nice because we have a heavier topic for, for today's um, main, main topic. And this is kind of a little dovetail. It will relate to a couple of our, our more recent episodes. We want to, we want to talk about like trauma and right now in, in magic, that has always been a part of our, a part of the magic story. You go back like this podcast are very two, two of our th- first three episodes were about trauma. Uh, talking yeah. about Gideon. We decided to come out of the gate swinging. <laughs> yeah. Which is wild, but I mean that I think it showed what we were hoping to do. It set up well, and yeah. the fact of the matter is that we did. We came out and we talked right away about Gideon and and the concept of actual trauma. And so I also wanted to highlight something that I did when we did that episode. When we're talking about trauma in this in in, in this episode, I may be referring to what I call little trauma, like trauma with a little lowercase t versus trauma with a capital T. When people talk about PTSD. Because I think that is really what we're talking about wanting to kind of highlight, you know, what what actually that stress disorder, that post-traumatic stress disorder is. It is referring to what we call trauma with a capital T. It's really referring to a specific incident or event in which you thought that your life was either in danger or that you could die. You know, like the common things you'd think of would be something like, you know, everything from a car accident to rape to military combat service, you know, these are the things that kind of jump out, but they're usually trauma is referring to a, a, like a a actual specific event. And it's not to say that things that happen to you that are, are bad or scary aren't traumatic, but that is really what we're referring to when we're talking about kind of PTSD. There is also complex or complex PTSD, which is really referring to a lot of things like patterns of abuse and talking about, you know, things like racism and those societal things that, you know, it's not a specific one event, but taken collectively kind of add up. So I just want to highlight that because I do want us to be thinking a little bit about, right, like if we're talking about PTSD, what that kind of means. I would highly recommend going back to episode two and three if you haven't and you're interested. We do a lot deeper of a dive into kind of that clinical definition there. Yeah, and it, it and it's a topic that comes up a lot, unfortunately. Like magic is a game. The game itself, a lot of the story within the cards is about combat. That's something we talk about a lot too. Like, And so that is going to happen. But we have kind of a a unique <laughs> maybe situation within that that sort of canon that storyline um very recently with the march of the machines and now everywhere is suffering trauma 
at the same time from the same inciting event. Yeah, it's not just isolated to one area or one event. It, it it's everywhere, you know, everything all at once is a way you put it. it. It's nowhere in the multiverse escape this unless you're in, you know, sheep country I'll drain like Kellen's family was, where somehow they managed to completely avoid the, the invasion. Yeah. Yeah, or the meditation room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Hobbs is here. I had to... That's where the complex trauma comes in yeah. with the you know the the abuse that Nicol Bolas has suffered for years. Too far? Too far. <laughs> Sorry. And again, I'm derailing things and stopping all over good points that people are trying to make, particularly Taya. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, magic is kind of stories resolve around trauma. We talked about this with, you know, Alex mentioning in our first two episodes, we did one that was just more on like a PTSD, PTSD kind of element. We also did the second one talked a lot about the fact that trauma is a common trope within fantasy and sci-fi writing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, It is because, you know, they, they tend to resolve revolve around conflict or fighting or, you know, some kind of, some kind of event that causes conflict or could cause trauma, but it, it's different when it's kind of on this, interplanar scale where it's not just the participants in the story that are exposed to this but it's every living living being within the setting itself yeah yeah and that sets this up as kind of a unique a unique situation to, to kind of get to examine some and i think that is is I th- okay, I think it's really cool that we have this opportunity to do this too. This is a thing uh, Tay and I talked about recently with Shauna when she was on the show. Who, she Shauna McGuire, who wrote all of the stories for this recent Ravnica set, the uh, Murders of Karloff Manor. Excellent. So, like, this is this was an opportunity to get to examine that at least from on one plane with a relative handful of people in this cast, how this trauma affected them and is having aftershocks down the line. And that's really cool that we got to, we got to do that. That's a thing that the story wouldn't always have had time to examine. You, you, you look at, far less traumatic like this, but you look at equally, maybe equally large events like the mending. And we didn't really see a whole lot there. We get to see a few, you know, there's a few threads like Nicole Bolas's storyline sort of running on from that, where he had started to create his whole plots because of the consequences of that. But we didn't really examine what happened around the mending in the same way we got to examine what happened to these people on Ravnica because of the, Phyrexian invasion. Right. And this is carried on through the stories we've seen so far since the end of the invasion. We saw it in Wilds of Eldraine where, you know, the sleeping sickness and the way that everybody, you know, was going towards resolving that were all steeped in trauma response as well. You know, especially how 
you know, how people went to or faced trying to fix it and. And not doing it in the healthiest of manners. No, and not. And, you know, and we saw that and that is not the ideal way to go about it, but also just the, the fact that, you know, the idea of like, well, maybe this is just better off is, you know, steeped in trauma and, you know, going into this whole plot in uh, Murders at Karloff Manor, the whole idea is that, you know, you know, murdering all these people is justified is a, is a trauma response itself. And, you know, murdering people in response to trauma is, is not a healthy trauma response. You know, it is a trauma response. It's not a healthy one. <laughs> no, but it is, like you said, it is a, a, a method to deal with, right? Like, yeah. You you take that anger outward if you have the ability to do something about it. Most of us just don't yes. have the ability to like start killing people that did bad to us. Yeah, or or at least within what we thought they did based on hearsay through plant through a plant network. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to get into more specifics about this story? I'm just debating how how deep do we want to get. I don't know that we want to go too far because we did talk about the story a lot with Sean, but maybe get some high notes. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I mean we can yeah. talk a little bit about it or we can, you know, and we can also just talk at kind of a high level as. Well, I think this but, how it's affected across the multiverse. It is. is and... To me, has been very interesting. And even the stripping of Planeswalker Sparks is in and of itself kind of like a traumatic event and we can go look at the aftermath story and just see how that affected nissa and besides mm-hmm. going through the trauma of being fractionized and defractionized and then also losing her spark yes yeah she is um you know not she, had a good go of it <laughs> no she has it and then she started to have some abandonment issues when chandra went looking mm-hmm. for um help you know, and then yeah. even though Chandra said, she, you know, she was like, I'll be right back. Nissa is like, well, I'm being abandoned here on this plane and I can't do anything about it. And yeah, how dare Chandra leave me here? That's true. And and that the the de-sparking too. not only I mean, that is also traumatic, but that is a in a sense that is a very even though it's happened to a bunch of people, it's a very personal trauma. That is happening alongside or happened sort of alongside the much larger one that a lot of other people are suffering. And I don't know if any characters kind of have talked about this specifically, but I could see that being a very lonely thing. I mean, trauma can be anyway and very lonely and isolating, but to have that big thing happen right next to the other big thing that everyone else experienced. I mean, I suppose, especially with Planeswalkers, you're losing something that most people don't even understand in the multiverse. I think we got a little bit of it with Watley and Sahili, where they do talk a little bit about being cut off from, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And we didn't get enough time in that story to really feel their impact from it. But there, there is a little talk about how they, you know, they're cut off from the whole now. Yeah, and and now that I, I say that, I think with with um, murders at at Karloff Manor, in the first uh, story or two, uh, 
did Kaya kind of think about that or maybe touch on that a little bit? It wouldn't have been examined a lot, but I want to say she kind of thought about when she thought about the friends that she lost and things, and that might have touched on and the friends who are stuck where they're at now a little bit too. Yeah, it wasn't a huge part of it. No. Yeah. And even she can only think about it in the terms of how other people might feel. She can't actually feel it herself. Didn't we get some in Eldraine? I mean, with like one sibling still sparked and one not. Well, or neither of them are sparked. Oh, neither of them. Yeah, but it, it definitely, um, there's definitely a lot of feeling on Eldraine because why am I just, why are their names just slipping my tongue right now? Rowan and... Um, Ro- Rowan and, just uh, wants yeah. to leave and she can't. And, and it really hits her hard because she can't just up and leave, and she wants to. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was. She yeah. used to be yeah. able to. She used to be able to, right? And I, yeah. actually, I think I. I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing to me. This is a very interesting parallel for uh, avoidance, right? That's what mm. she wants. She, she wants to to lean into the avoidance strategy, which is where most people go, uh, kind of after trauma. It's like the one of the hallmark symptoms. Yeah, you know is is that avoidance piece and she she had a way to do that and that's actually what she's mourning is the loss of that but she also then can't do anything about it she doesn't know so how instead to. she goes and sides with her evil aunt which that's what i mean see like yeah she doesn't make good decisions because she doesn't know how no. to uh, i i do love my red my red impulsive girls but she does not make good choices i well I mean, it, it, that's the thing that's interesting to me. I think the lack of a spark has been, you know, I, we wondered what they were going to do with it, right? Like they said, you know, it was really to, to mix things up. We're still not fully sure because we have the omen paths. So some people are still traveling, even though they're not. Yeah, I mean, spark, we're going to see Callan like, in every story, at least for yeah, the foreseeable future. Yeah. 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 And and there's some other movement there too. If if you all read the the very sort of brief but fun like eleventh episode or, or of oh uh, yeah that was there's a yeah. matter. if you mm-hmm. it's a cool follow up. We get a little bit more of Prof being Proft. He 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 still shows his uh. He's got to be right in front of the most powerful being on Ravnica. Yeah, I love Atrada kind of just being like, I'm not with him. Atrada is like, you know, my job to keep you alive yeah. does not extend to supreme beings, essentially. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to be she fair. Substantially yeah. better Good survival somebody for him. him. Yeah, yeah. I'm just glad somebody called Niv out. But. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> may, may or may not have been the smartest way slash place to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of supreme beings. Supreme beings. But I think that we've seen... Right, it is trying to figure out what is... What does trauma kind of look like now that more people are maybe experiencing it across the multiverse or at the same time in a similar big event, yeah. right? You know, you think of something. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you got to look at it like it's not just an individual. It's a society level issue now where 
if you look at the start of the story, they were having this big party as kind of a way of, you know, moving past. They're trying to get over some societal level trauma. They were trying to say things are all right. We were, we're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a you know, good point. I didn't even think about it. like the whole party was basically their trauma response, while Oma yeah. had a very different version of a trauma response. Right. Yeah. The the party was supposed to be like we're we're doing okay. Yeah. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. It's like the dog comic. It's you know. Yeah. It's, it's all fine. The world's on fire around us, but we're still gonna have parties. I mean. It, to me, though, this is kind of like society as we've been. You know, we've been in a collective trauma. And I, I, I mean, there's a lot of good discussion about, you know, like, it, you know, the with pandemics and everything else, you know, there's the joke about, you know, especially the younger generation being like, I, I, I'm fine with my generation not having another once in a generation thing happen to them because they've all happened in the last, like, you know, 12 right. years. We're, we are kind of living in a society where, we are collectively having trauma responses to things. We don't know what's the appropriate way to act. Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of avoidance in that too. Just in general, like that's because there's, there's a level of, of just survival. If that makes sense. I don't, I don't know if I, that totally makes sense, but sometimes you do need to just, find something else like we kind of opened up with that that mindfulness um sometimes you just need to find that balance for yourself where you're like where you disengage from the thing and it doesn't resolve those issues it doesn't make them go away but you need that break for yourself so this is where i really want to kind of it's good that you brought this up alex because this was something that i was just thinking about when we're talking about like how do we you know what how do we find enjoyment in society the way that it is right now you know, I feel like there's times when people go smash. <laughs> I'm in favor of that. <laughs> but I mean, there is kind of that element that it almost feels like you get shamed at times for doing things that you enjoy doing, right? Like, it's almost like, well, you, how could you do that when X is going on in the world? And you mentioned like everybody needs to be able to unplug or disconnect in some ways. And I think that this is where the highlight comes into me between coping strategies and avoidance. So avoidance is almost an, in an, like an, there isn't an intentionality to it. Avoidance just is something where we've talked about where you start staying away from one thing because that thing reminds you of the trauma. And then pretty soon you have to start avoiding something that would remind you of what was going to remind you and your world starts narrowing and narrowing. And the idea with avoidance is you become an unable to really like leave, right? I mean, that's the idea is like people get trapped in their houses or they're not able to go into social situations or they're not able to grocery shop or do whatever they can because they've been avoiding. And so they're never having to feel uncomfortable. So when they put themselves in those situations, it, it's unbearable, right? It's such a high degree of anxiety. Not like choosing to do something different with an intentionality is different than avoidance. You're still not dealing with the consequences. You're not dealing with the thing head on, but there is an awareness of what you are doing and choosing to do something else instead. And you're not saying I'm never going to do X, Y, and Z, or I'm not going to, you know, like it's, it, there isn't that like silent killer part of it where it just is creeping up on you before, and you all of a sudden realize all the things you are no longer doing. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that talking about avoidance, like that is what happened with me with my, my social anxiety. Before I even really knew that was a thing, before I had talked to you, like I hit a point where I had been avoiding more and more and my world was narrowing and narrowing. And then I had a, uh, an anxiety attack one morning. And after that, would go into the hospital, realize I'm fine. I, can, I thought I was struggling to breathe. And after going through all those sort of steps, I realized like, no, I, I need to talk to someone to find, you know, a, a therapist, somebody to talk to from that angle. And that's what got my diagnosis and uh, helped me to, to learn about that and about myself and kind of move forward from there. But that was that. So this is, this is the difference between sort of avoidance and, and um, sorry, what was the other word you were using for that? Well, like a coping strategy where you're actually doing something purposefully different, yes. right? And, and that that difference is something that I've I've had to be or tr- tried to be very mindful of in my own life because tried do or do not there <laughs> is no try. Well, you don't. <laughs> Your degree of success with it may not be. <laughs> yes, this is well. It is a thing that I intend to do, but the problem with intention and the problem with you know, wanting to do a thing doesn't mean like you're always going to do it. You're not no, always going to miss it. But yeah, my, I wanted to, I want to be mindful of when am I avoiding something versus when am I intentionally not engaging with it as a coping mechanism. I'm not always going to catch myself, but because I'm trying to watch for this, because I'm, because it is a thing I'm watching for, maybe I miss it sometimes. But because it's a thing I'm watching for, I will catch it much more often and much more quickly than I would if I wasn't paying attention to it. Yeah. Than you did previously. I mean, that ended previous. up where yeah, it took, you know, like, yeah, it, it usually took years enough. previously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about 27 years. It, but, it, it uh, definitely, you know, like yeah. if you think about if you had a timeline for it, I'm sure that at some point you started noticing a pullback, like yeah. once you retrospectively did it. Yes, yeah, still years, but. Not still years your life at that point but it was it was years and years but uh yes that that that's that's a good point but so yeah th- this is i don't know sorry i thought i had a thought there but i think we've we covered that that sort of difference that was a, something that I, I definitely wanted to point out but you have the experience and knowledge there to have the language more precise than kind of the concepts that i have in my head i mean it, I, I think that's as you're saying, Alex, you may have the idea in your head. I, you know, I'm I'm doing my best to put it into words because this is avoidance is one of the hallmark symptoms of almost all mental health that I I work on with people, and it is, it's really like not living a life worth living. It's not having that purpose and meaning or that intentionality because you start you start of once you start avoiding you pretty soon you're avoiding things that are valued. I am so good at avoiding stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because it doesn't take a ton of effort to avoid? Yeah, it's it's so habitual for me. It is a thing that I did for so long for so many various things. I will find myself avoiding things by habit that I don't, when I think about it, like, why am I even avoiding this? But I just do it because your brain if does the thing enough times it goes along that same pathway and that's part of why i have to have so much intentionality around it because if i'm not paying attention i will just start avoiding things for no real reason 
So, Taya, you were saying, you know, you're really good at avoidance. I am. Yeah, I have to I have to intentionally not avoid things if I, I really don't want to, because it's so easy for me to kind of to shell up and just cut everything out and not want to engage and not want to do things. And, you know, it's like, for me, it's, it's easier to just say, no, I don't, I don't need to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And instead I have to, if I do want to do something, I need to be intentional about putting myself out there and doing it because otherwise I am going to default to avoiding it. And, um, it's easy for me to just sit by myself and stare at my phone and not do anything. If our goal is to not (laughs) feel which a lot of times is what ends up happening, I'd say. You know, it's to it's to stay away from feeling unhealthy, unhelpful things. It's to avoid, it's to stay away from, it's to not feel or think about traumatic experiences. Avoidance is a very, very good coping strategy. And by by that, I mean that it's very effective at making us not feel horrible. The reason that avoidance is so common is because it is very effective. If something makes me feel anxious, if I don't do it, I won't feel anxious. Or I start to feel anxious, so I leave it, my anxiety goes back down to zero, right? Like, or maybe not down to zero, but it it lessens considerably. If I start thinking about going out and doing something, and I think about, okay, well, you know, what if this triggers X, Y, and Z? You remember last time you went and did this, this happened. And pretty soon, you're just anticipating what's going to not go well or how it's going to be horrible. Avoidance works. You just you, you decide not to go out and do the thing. Your anxiety will naturally kind of come down. It, it is. It works in the short term. Avoidance works. I mean, that's the hard part about all of this. And and but as as the point you made earlier, one of the. the the downsides, if you will, to it is that if it's if it's unintentional, if it's just sort of habitual as as a, for for myself, then you're avoiding thing A, but then you start to avoid thing B because it's kind of like thing A, and then you avoid thing C because it's kind of like thing B, which is kind of like thing A, which is what really makes you anxious. It's not really addressing the the root cause i mean depending on what uh, we're talking about trauma you're not necessarily going to address societal level traumas but there could be more healthy ways to cope with those issues or cope with the circumstances and then avoiding everything all the time and then you're not having any fun and then everything's just kind of miserable i mean it's where we end up right like that's that's where we end up we we end up in the long term, right? And that's the problem is by the time we've done that, the damage is is usually pretty intense and severe. It can be relationships that we've damaged and those things. The, the, the hard part is crawling out of avoidance is also an incredible amount of work because the effects of it are much longer term and longer lasting. I mean, think about this with substances. I mean, this is one of the things we talk about because there's a lot that is avoid that that you know one of the predominant reasons that people 
overuse or use to, to lead degrees that they probably don't want to is because they don't want to feel things or they don't want to think about things. And the substance can oftentimes help with that. The hard part is the negative consequences of, of overuse of a substance usually takes quite a long time to happen. You could use for a very yeah. long time without ending up in a point where you've kind of quote unquote hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think, and it's especially true when you use socially, you know, um, because a lot of times that is, that is your social hookup too, until that falls apart. Yeah. And kind of, you know, when you look at this broader scope, it's, you know, and you got to look at the scope of, we've talked about how kind of how we deal or how individuals deal with this kind of like level of trauma and a lot of it is in negative terms and a lot of avoidance and you know i'm surprised and and i know they're not going to illustrate this in a game but you think you know after a trauma like this is that there, there wouldn't be more of almost like a societal shutdown in some cases or some real backlash on how you know, and just in society operating and you can see it, you know, I think even just with the pandemic and how it's reorganized a lot of ways and like how people work and stuff like that. And that, that isn't even a, anything on the magnet, you know, it was a wide scale, you know, low tier traumatic experience, nothing on the scale of like the Frexian invasion, but it did change a lot about how people work. And, you know, a lot of people did die and it changed a lot of things about how we interact with each other. Um, we're still living with it and we're still dealing with it every day. And it's, and even that level of change has significantly changed society in four years. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to think of, you know, what level something like the Phyrexian invasion would have on, on a society like Ravnica. Yeah. You know, given, you know, especially that we have two guilds that are essentially AWOL at this point. Although, you know, the Demir, the Demir is still there. Lazav got his card, you know. No, no matter, no matter what they say. <laughs> the it's retired he wanted retirement yeah the demir being a well was like part of the plot of the original raftica novels the people didn't really know they were there to begin with and now like oh i guess yeah. we're here and now it's like traumatic thing let's just use this to say we're we don't exist anymore. yeah but yeah it's you just think about like the change to our language and how we talk about things and events and stuff even in circumstances where where people are quote unquote back to normal and not really doing anything different now than they would have four years ago, it still has changed the context of all of those conversations. It has changed the context and the language of all of that stuff, let alone the people who are continuing to follow some practices to to try to keep themselves and others safe. But it, and that is like you say, it's a relative is is relatively small compared to an inter you know planner invasion the way that the Phyrexian invasion was and how that would 
just warp and where we get to see that in in a, in a good amount of detail actually for this story in in at least this one world you know we have this plane that is built around the guilds and now some of them are missing they all fill very significant niches within the society and you know 20 percent of that is sort of missing then you have you know within a different one of those guilds this trauma response and someone who has a position of of influence and the ability to act in a way that most people do not or an, an ability to act with impact in a way most people do not what they did with it and how that is going to have implications and ramifications for the whole of the society as as you know in the beginning i want to say there was conversation about how the faith in the guilds is at a pretty low point now What's this going to do to that? (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I'm still just struck by the fact that this is what it took for our our, like lack of faith in the guilds. (laughs) Yeah. Like from the the point of view of of an average Ravnikin, you're doing your thing and the it are making coffee and the, you know, these people are delivering water. We never... That's right. We the never got, spark, but that we never the, saw the aftermath of that. The, we, we get never, a little bit of that in here, honestly. Yeah. I the, mean, the War of the Spark and the Phyrexian invasion being led by Planeswalkers makes yeah. a lot of people who didn't know that they exist suddenly know that these things. These to people be exist. fair, I mean, as much as they, as much as they, beef up, you know, kind of. Call, you know, made the War of the Sparks on all this big thing, though. It was like 12 hours on <laughs> one true. night. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the, the joke that Spice... her fluffle of the spark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that what Spice said when, when they yeah. were on the show? When it was that's on the show? Said, yeah. That's what it said when, when, when yeah. it was on the show. It was like, <laughs> it's not a battle. Or the war. It's not a war. It was only 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and didn't it say like 12 hours was the most generous reading of like... Yeah. The whole yeah, timeline or something. Yeah, so it might have been less. The event might there have was a lot of hours. there was a lot of decimation in those twelve hours that the average in citizen one district in, in one district on Ravnica. <laughs> most of Ravnica did not know anything happened at all. Yes, oh, see, this is good to know. I did not. I did not realize that, that. And a lot of that destruction was in like the Guild Plaza stuff too, wasn't it? Yeah, most it was just district. it was all around the Guild Plaza. It, it, it's. You know that that the average was... citizen is actually excited because the guilds got taken down a notch. Like, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. I already had shaken faith in the guilds. Yeah, <laughs> well, we know you did a... because you're a cranky <laughs> sim. <laughs> I just want open revolution in our only like in our main, like like Western European world. Like, I just want open the... revolution. Yeah, and and one thing that maybe because just the way that I'm a nerd for stories that the players I, I want to point out but the, the, the players have a vastly different perspective of Ravnikin society than the average Ravnikin would yeah something to keep in context <laughs> you know I the way I could see it if you're an average Ravnikin the whole war of the spark thing could have been basically played off as like one bad is it experiment gone wrong yeah. Well, and it's Ravnica is a planet-wide city. If, yeah. it, if, if it only if it took place during twelve hours, many of those people would have slept through the entire event. <laughs> yeah. the oh man, I wish twelve hours. 
that sounds like amazing. The vast majority of it. Maybe, you know, you wait, you're, yeah. they're waking up and having breakfast around the time it all wraps up. So it's just like... Yeah. I would, I will say, I would be very pissed if I got up and went to go to my favorite uh, coffee shop <laughs> on Ravnica and it just wasn't there. Yeah. I'd be very angry. So I, I get it. And and you'd start to not have a great opinion of Planeswalkers, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm, I'm just, you know, yeah. I will say one thing I wanted to kind of, you know, is we're, we're kind of wrapping up discussing a little bit of this is to also highlight that the typical response to trauma is to return to, you know, kind of to, to recover, like the actual natural, just even to things like sexual trauma, even for things like combat, the rates are still fairly low to really develop this full PTSD. It's not to me not to pay attention to it, not to, you know, ignore it, not to kind of attempt to do things to better, like to help yourself. It is to just say though, you know, this hopeful thing is most people are, are pretty resilient. People do recover. I think that's one of the things that I always just want to come back to is the vast majority of people are very resilient. Humans are fantastically resilient. They shouldn't have to be. Like, it'd be nice if, if there was some sense of justice and a greater purpose and meaning for, you know, bad things happening in our society. But most people have still go about their day to day. They still do live their lives and kind of because we have to. And I, and I think that is something that's important to remember is I, I, I do struggle, as I said earlier on, with this idea that, you know, like there's certain elements of being on social media and Twitter in particular times, it really does feel like you need to feel guilty if you are enjoying things. And I think that that's actually kind of a bummer just because you enjoy. So like this happened with, you know, me showing excitement over the Sheldon secret lair. And I get called a shill for a company that is profiting off of a dead man, like less than two hours after I post just excitement about something. Right. Like this is weird, odd societal behavior. Um, like people need to understand that there are multiple things that could be happening and you do need to find enjoyment. You need to find the things that are important to you and that you can still enjoy. For me, that's for me. And screw those people. That secret layer is dope and it's great that they're raising money for a good charity. He worked directly on it. I, yeah. Yeah. I now admit. I know I'm close to the issue, but yeah. Yeah. And multiple things can be true at the same time. But he, he worked with them. Multiple things, Alex, you know, me and my, yeah. you know how I love them. One more thing I want to mention is, and I, I think Sean mentioned it is that the, they're not going to keep bringing the trauma dump into the story. You know, they're, they're going to move on from mentioning the trauma and every story going because they do have to move on at some point i don't know if it's going to continue through this current three-story arc or if we're going to start seeing some movement away with the outlaw junction yeah but uh yep that that's a good a good call it and like we'll, we'll probably see some some echoing ramifications but i'm sure we'll continue to see ramifications because it's such a big change but we're not going to see the the focus that we have in the, the minutiae, like set. yeah, like everything having to be tied back to it. 
Yeah. And yeah. it's it's great. I think it's really good that we've got what we have. It's so good. We get this A, we got this much story, but that they put gave that much space to this story in particular. With strong writers. Like with the writers that we writers that we trust in. to handle that. I mean, that's I know I didn't get to be on with Sean in, but that was important to me, right? Like the the way that she wrote a lot of the stuff to do with mindfulness based elements around Kaya. Uh, you know, the notes I had saved in my phone for that around just not even just burnout, but grief that had writers that I think were able to tap into that in a way that we needed to let breathe for a while. It doesn't mean we need to stay there forever, as you guys are, as you're saying. And Kaya's going to go have her vacation on Kaldheim with Tyvar. Mm-hmm. I'm so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're going to go fishing and, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> I just remember there was a thread that basically was like, and Tyvar's gonna get her laid because he'll definitely know which people to like send her yeah, to. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, well, this person's gonna be wanting to talk a little bit too much, so don't go to them. <laughs> like, yeah. They'll rock that your world, a, but <laughs> yeah. Shannon had that Shannon thread on that was great. It was <laughs> so yeah. So we hopefully will have some less heavy topics coming up, I guess. I know that one we <laughs> floated is hopefully having Chase's triumphant return to the show. So that could be fun. Be great to have them back. Yeah. Just thank you all. And we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. And if you're going to Chicago this week, I hope you have a lot of fun. Bummed. I'm not going to be there, but uh hope Same. you enjoy it. If you're going to be in Chicago this weekend, take lots of photos of Gavin's unknown event cards. Cause <sighs> I need to see them. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I'm, I'm so much FOMO for that. That's the, like the thing that I've like, Yeah. Uh, yeah. So have fun this weekend, right. y'all. Bye. And that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at Hobbs Q. Tay can be found at Taya transcends and Alex can be found at Mel underscore chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter or email us at goblinlorepodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Ruffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs> <laughs>